0: to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative.
1: All right, welcome to the podcast, everyone.
0: Hey, everybody. God bless you. This is Father Sean. This is Father Mike.
1: And we have a special guest.
0: Hey, Father Jason is here. Father Jason Wunsch. And we're putting him on the spot with like a a real quick quiz. We just finished our Lord's Day. That's... uh, saturday nights the companion priests get together and um we celebrate fraternity and um, welcome the lord's day and um share graces from our lives and so we've just finished and we thought we'd give a quiz to two of the priests um
1: about quiz show quiz show
2: man i I show up and i get (laughs) (laughs) Quiz, right? <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> this, this is, is <laughs> the, yeah, <laughs> this is the part of stuff.
0: So, <laughs> I know. So we gave him 30 seconds to think about the question, oh, yeah. what is Catholic? Technically, is um, uh, <laughs> the guy comes up to you on the street. He says, I know nothing about religion, um, but someone told me you're Catholic. What's Catholic? So here he is. He gets one minute.
1: Time starts now.
2: Okay. What it means to be Catholic is to be part of the family of God that Jesus established. Um, got a minute? That's my short <laughs> hey, answer. Hey, that that can work. That's my short answer. It's do you it, want to it, and that, that that so it's it's to be part of the family of God that Jesus established, and that time, that family goes all the way back to Christ and extends across the whole world. So all people are invited into that family.
0: Why do you do all those rituals? Don't you do rituals?
2: Yeah, just like In every family, right? Does your family have rituals, right? You got your rituals at Thanksgiving. You got all types of rituals, right? Like families have rituals. And that's part of what the Catholic family has.
0: Can I be a part of the family of God?
2: Yeah. You can. I mean, of course, (laughs) you can. But what it takes is like just being part of a family it takes commitment and it, you know, but also, and it takes belief, right? You have to...
1: And one minute is up.
2: Well, I've been asked many questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hey. Hey. All no, right. I
0: love it. I love it. Yeah. There's so, there's lots of different ways to answer this question and family of God is cool, yeah. especially for people maybe, um, in our time mm-hmm. who are longing for connection and there's a lot of broken yeah. families and uh, a lot of isolation and individualism, so,
2: all right. Um, Awesome! Thanks, right. dude. Thanks, Good Catholic stuff, guys.
0: This love, is not an easy question. It love you. Uh, simple, <laughs> Thanks for being it's on. Not
1: easy.
2: All
0: right. All right. Now we got Father Micah Flores. Here he is. He one who
1: is like flowers.
0: He has been asked the same question. I'm asking the same question and been given one minute to. That's
1: answer. Father Micah's voice.
0: What did he say? No, no, we no. can't you tell can't you. No, know. that's why we <laughs> can put I hear in
3: afterwards. Sure. I get to hear afterwards. Sure. All right. Okay.
0: Where's the timer? Ask me the it's question right again, just so I have it. Okay, guy walks up to you on the street, and he says, I'm not religious at all. I don't know anything about religion, but someone told me you're Catholic. What's Catholic?
1: Time starts now. I would
0: say
3: Catholic means universal. And then I'd wait for him to respond, and Are then you we'd have elaborate? a conversation. Am I, okay.
0: Uh, Should I elaborate uh, a little bit? What does universal bit? mean? I don't know. I thought you were a religion.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> we say... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we say universal because uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ was meant for all nations. When when Jesus, uh, before he ascended to the Father, he said to his closest closest and best friends that um, go forth and and go forth and teach them all that I have commanded you to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, for followers of Christ. And we think that and we believe that the gospel is so powerful that it's meant for, for everyone. So it's meant for all nations, it's universal. It's meant for me? It's meant for you. What is the gospel? Gospel is the good news of salvation that Jesus won through his life, death, and resurrection.
1: Uh, one minute. One
3: is minute is up.
0: Cool, man. I'm in. How do I join RCIA? <laughs> <laughs> That's OCIA now. That's OCIA.
3: Oh. OCIA, not RCIA, Mike Rap.
0: <laughs> All right,
2: dude. Well, okay. Thank
0: you. That was brilliant. Great. How
2: Father about a little applause? Away. Thanks Father, for the show. Thanks How about a little, little of applause? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the laugh
3: track The <laughs> Catholics of No Quiz Show Here live at so 411 Father,
0: Father Jason He uh, used the image and focused on The family of God Being a part of the family of God Love it So there's so many different angles Obviously I, I
2: yeah. Catholic in the sense of Going back to Christ I just didn't define it Which would have been helpful nice. Father Jason's
0: explaining his Okay Thanks guys Good These guys are tired and want to go But I was trying yes. to quiz show them Before they go <laughs> It's hard to be put on fun. the spot, but you guys fun. did great. We look forward to great having you on the show before long, for <laughs> for a much more full uh, conversation.
1: Okay. Great, we'll see, you, see guys. you, Jay. Happy Pentecost. See you, Mike. Happy, Happy Pentecost. All right, Father Sean. Here we Father are, Father Mike. Father uh, Mike Lawrence. That rap. was fun.
0: Do you get uncomfortable with those?
1: No, I don't get uncomfortable. Shows? Not at all.
0: If I gave you the same quiz show, would you get uncomfortable?
1: Uh, no. I, I'm not the best at thinking on my thi- feet, <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's important to practice it, you know? Totally. We used to practice in seminary our elevator speech of, like, what if you get stopped by someone, like you said, on the street or whatever, and you have 60 seconds with them, your elevator speech, what are you going to tell them? Can you preach the kerygma in 60 seconds? That's it. Right? That's what
0: we're doing, yeah. That's
1: what we're doing. Just like that.
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: I had someone, I was in, um, this was on, I was a seminarian, but we would, we went out for community night, so all of us were in our collars, and we went to a pizza shop called Pizzeria Locale, which makes homemade pizza, and this little girl, she was probably five or six, she was with her mom, and she comes up to me, and she goes, why are you wearing that, and I said, because I'm studying to be a Catholic priest, and she goes, oh, what's that? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, I don't How do you explain this? Where do you start? And for a five-year-old, I don't know. I think it was just the grace of the Holy Spirit. I just said, oh, essentially we try to imitate Jesus Christ and we wear this so we can stand out in the world and and be a sign in the world. And she goes, oh, that's cool. And then she ran back to her mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool though. I mean, yeah, it's, it's symbolic it's i don't know what provocative is the wrong noticeable like this person is wearing different clothes right and yeah it's meant to say something's different totally my life is different and um and i don't think i I don't mean that in like a special way but just you know i have a i have a mission so that was cool that you went to explaining i represent jesus
1: i was at um chick-fil-a this past week which is a common occurrence for father sean
0: uh the spicy chicken dude spicy deluxe number two what's the one with all the veggies the deluxe deluxe. okay
1: yeah and the spicy one is number two
0: what's your what's your sauce
1: chick-fil-a sauce yeah Uh, yeah it probably can't be that healthy for you but it's super good um anyways i was there this week wearing my collar like normal and this guy comes up to me and goes hey who are you and i'm like i'm i'm father sean and he goes oh I was wondering why you're wearing that. He goes, "I go to Hope Church down the street, which you probably pass. Hope Church, it's on Logan, that really nice church over by Wash Park. Um, nice church, like physically. I don't know what it's like on the inside, but um, yeah, I know the church. But he was a nice guy, and we got talking, and he's a faithful Protestant, and we had a nice chat for a little bit. I do discipleship group there at Chick Fil A, so then my high schoolers walked in, and cool, but yeah, yeah, I
0: think there's there's certainly an affinity between Christians. You know it's rare enough in denver that it's like if you find another christian we're obviously an identifiable christian and mm-hmm. um it's just cool to share that you know connection and that's the deepest value you know that's what we love more than anything and that's what obviously this guy has really invested in and uh, put his life into and yeah well i um yeah, I I don't know. I, a kid came up to me after Mass, and it wasn't as profound. Well, maybe certainly for this kid. Um, this kid says, "Octopuses have nine brains," and I was like, "What?" And he said, "Yeah, there's a brain in every arm." Uh, I was like, "Thanks, man. <laughs> Happy Sunday." <laughs>
1: that's awesome animal facts that's cool animal facts but so one in each tentacle and then one in the head obviously that's
0: you know i i did look it up and it happens to be true what that means exactly i don't know like is it that the each of the arms or tentacles or whatever Mm -hmm. can operate independently or think i don't even know i don't know what that would mean but (laughs) turns out google agrees
1: that's awesome. Any other interesting animal facts that you have? Uh, Didn't I, you just record a podcast on animals with Jacob?
0: I think we did. Um, no, I don't. I I wouldn't want to repeat them. So well, my, I mean, like, I think I already talked to Jacob about it
1: for the Priestly Convocation. A few weeks back, we went to the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, which is one of the best zoos in the nation. I think it's like number three in North America. Whoa. Super beautiful zoo like and so it's also like landscape wise you're up on this mountain you kind of hike the mountain as you're going exhibit to exhibit at the zoo but anyways my favorite animal is the giraffe because they're tall and they're awesome i kind of think of myself like a giraffe giraffes have to have and awesome (laughs) thank you
0: and have a really long tongue
1: well here's the thing giraffes have purple tongues it's the most wild thing ever like purple like what makes it purple i have no idea but they also is have, it cold? No, like it's ours not. Ours is
0: red, but then their blood gets cut off, and then it's. Purple.
1: I mean, I I don't think that's why. Maybe it has to do with their blood. I don't I don't think so though. I, when I fed them the lettuce at the zoo, like their tongue like wraps around you. It's like wow, it's the weirdest thing ever. But it wasn't cold; it was warm.
0: I do have a an animal fact. All right, let's hear it. That hippos are related to whales, hmm. and I don't know the order. Ma- uh, Father Matt Book and I were debating this. Yeah. I thought that hippos were whales that grew legs and they have these nostrils that can close and stay up above water that like they're, um, they're positioned on top of their snout. Yep. And, um, he thought that whales were kind of a hippo that began to swim and lost its legs.
1: Yeah. But anyway, interesting stuff there you go they're both mammals yeah whales have what's called uh vestigial organs whoa uh so vestige you know what vestige means in the latin
0: like um not necessary they're just there they're still there
1: yep so like lost organs in a sense so like whales still have hip bones um as if they would have legs Uh, but they don't have legs that was right um, the hippo became the whale. Well, not directly. I would say that they have the same ancestors. Okay. I remember learning about this in biology and what I was taught <laughs> this sounds crazy, but evolution is really cool. We should do a podcast on evolution totally. sometime. Uh, I learned that whales descended from, from essentially wolves and coyotes. <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> no, come on. That's what I learned. That's a stretch. But they do say that the birds are dinosaurs and stuff like that.
1: I think it's cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Father Mike, uh, you're on vacation. Uh,
0: yeah, that's right. That's Hanging right. Out. So I am technically on vacation with Father Matt Book and Father Brady Wagner, and we went down to, and have spent the last three days in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Beautiful Southern Colorado, not too far from the New Mexico border. It's on. It's kind of at the southern end base of the san juan yep. mountain range i love that in in southern colorado the mountain ranges have catholic names right sangre de cristo blood, blood, of, blood christ. of christ mountains and the san juan saint john mountains because that area was first you know um colonized yeah That's settled a word. yeah um the missionaries that first went there were spanish miss- missionaries yeah. so.
1: a lot of franciscans right yep Coming up through uh, Mexico, which is cool.
0: And it was part of Mexico for a long time, so. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're down there, Pagosa Springs. There are hot springs there, but it's so flooded from all the rain this year. Oh, interesting. That you can't really make a whole lot of use of the springs right now. But we're we're biking and you know, praying and having great conversations and hiking together, and it's been fantastic. That's so great. So I came up here for Pentecost. And then I'm going back down tomorrow. And this is Pentecost Vigil right now. Yes. We're like the Saturday of Pentecost. And then tomorrow is the big day. Um, so then, yeah, I'll continue with the vacation. It's so f- it's so refreshing and wholesome. Those guys are very wholesome. They are so, very wholesome. Um, also playing um, board games. So we play... What did we play? We played viticulture <laughs> and then we had played um seven wonders father the matt's the board game pack. guy but and i have lost three <laughs> in a row and it's it kind of bugs me but i also don't really care for I like father
1: matt the more complex the game is the more fun it is for him yeah whereas i think for me it's the opposite i, I just like a simple card game
0: yeah i think i'm with you or maybe like in the middle. Book is really, really good at explaining stuff though, Mm -hmm. explaining all the rules. So I can actually pick up on it even if it's, you know, somewhat complex. We learned a new game yesterday and it took like four hours for us to play because we had to read all the instructions and games are pretty complex. You know, I'm kind of like, what about Uno? Remember Uno?
1: (laughs) Uno or Go go Fish.
0: (laughs) Colors and Numbers.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, well, maybe two, two questions. One would be, we were talking earlier about like wearing clerics in public and stuff. How often do you not wear clerics in public? Mm. How
0: often do do you wear it on
1: vacation? For instance,
0: I have not, I did bring a set of clerics in case we went out to a nice dinner or I don't know, just if, if the occasion arose, Mm-hmm. Maybe we make friends with the local you know, priest and then we want to help at his church and say a mass or something. Um, I have not worn clerics for this time. When I go to the gym, I don't wear clerics. Sometimes when I'm hanging out with other priests, um, I try to be, to be honest, I was much more disciplined about it and I treated it like a, a religious habit mm-hmm. when I was first ordained and... A religious habit, the religious wear that all the time, like a Franciscan or a Dominican. And there's something about our clerics, uh, when we say that, it's, uh, it's the black, you know, pants and shirt and the little white tab. Um, and it's a modified cassock. So maybe your priest, if he's real formal, is wearing a cassock. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly the same, but I don't know how different it should be. Right. I mean, I th- the, look at the witness that you gave out in public. It's just a profound witness, and it's fitting to your life and my life. And So I would say I, I wear clerics more often than just as a, like a business suit. Mm-hmm. So it's more than just when I'm working at church or something like that. But I feel a little bit self-conscious about maybe not wearing it as often as i would like as yeah. a kind of a, a public witness yeah what about you
1: yeah i think as you mentioned like being a younger priest i try to wear it more and i have a desire to wear it oh, i don't change that i, I think personally I'm just old and crusty <laughs> old and crusty <laughs> i personally love wearing my clerics in the airport some guys hate it mm. um but i love it and i'm also a six five so i think people just look at me anyways of like whoa that guy's really tall right and they see the collar and they're just like whoa that's weird what is that or they're like oh that's cool he's a priest and i don't know the airport obviously um people who are at the airport are are going somewhere like they're traveling for a reason and so i've run into sisters at the airport before i've run into other priests at the airport before and then um catholics who are just waving and they just kind of yell across i mean not yell but like if they're passing you the big oh hey father totally which like always kind of catches me off guard Right, because like, most people just have their headphones in and they look down and they just avoid eye contact. So it's kind of nice when someone says hi
0: yeah,
1: in the airport. So it's a sign, but I don't know, certainly similar. Like, yeah, if I go to the gym or if I'm camping or the obvious stuff, I don't wear my my clerics. Um I, but think- I don't know, it's, it's a sign in the world. I think it's important to wear. But but I, I wrestle with, at times, knowing, like... It's also nice, like, I, I cooked for Lord's Day tonight. I didn't, you know go to the store and my clerics, I, I was one, I wasn't in them. And two, like, I just wanted to get in and get out. And sometimes it's just nice to like, not be bothered (laughs) for lack of better word. man.
0: I think so. And when I, when I fly, I got two points. One is when I fly, I'm kind of a grump, to be (laughs) honest. I mean, I'm not like in that rush to get somewhere, Mm -hmm. but it's just uncomfortable And I can get sweaty. Sure. (laughs) And I don't think it's, I don't want to be bothered, but I don't want to misrepresent Christ or, you know, the Catholic church somehow by being short with someone or Mm -hmm. like seemingly annoyed or whatever it is. I just, that, that piece has been hard for me. If it's a short flight, I tend to, if it's a long flight, I'm like expecting that I'm going to be kind of moody. So, yeah, that's I'm fair. careful about that, and then, you know, the great value is, the best thing is the chance to evangelize. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people saying hi is great, but to be able to have someone say, like we started with, "I'm not religious," um, why are you wearing that stuff? Or, like, you're you're a Catholic or you're a priest. I saw you guys in movies doing exorcisms. Um uh, like what's the deal? Yeah. I and mean, it's it's an open door to be able to talk about Jesus and the love of God and make an invitation for somebody to you know consider something so important and yeah. maybe open their heart to um you know Christ and you know the Holy Spirit and grace. Hmm. So I value that deeply. I just um don't maybe have the generosity all the time so yeah Yeah, everybody out there you pray for me and i that sounds so like self-judgy i I feel pretty comfortable with yeah the balance but
2: yeah
1: Yeah, i value
0: the opportunities and i've had some really wonderful times
2: Mm.
1: yeah yeah that's i think that's the right right question and the right answer um okay second question Today is the Pentecost vigil. Tomorrow is Pentecost. Oh, yeah. What happens? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. What happens in Rome in the Church of All Gods, the Pantheon, every Pentecost?
0: Every Pentecost, they have a mass where I don't remember at what point, maybe the Gloria, maybe the end, maybe the beginning. There's a big hole in the top of the dome at the Pantheon, uh, very famously. Uh, it was a huge feat of architecture mm-hmm. in its time. and um, The Oculus
1: is what it's the called, Oculus. the
0: eye. Yeah, it's super cool church. And even super cooler when on Pentecost, they drop thousands of rose petals, red rose petals, down from this hole in the, the Oculus at the top of the, the dome. And they shower the crowd throughout the whole church. Mm. They kind of float down. And you can look up and see the rose petals through the light and then also just have that you know it and the the joy and the interest and the the wonder i would just say the joy is so palpable when you're there i was there once and it was fantastic yeah do you know we do that at the cathedral
1: i i did know that (laughs) (laughs) who's gonna do it Are you going to be celebrating Mass and Father Sam, your pastor, is going to run up there? I
0: don't know which Mass it is. You know, to be honest, I'm not sure what's going on this time. Mm -hmm. I think Sebastian Uh is going to do it. He's one of the sacristans and kind of works at the church. And from what I understand, last year, they threw down handfuls at a time. Mm -hmm. And they kind of came down in like rose bombs and clumps (laughs) and like smacked people in the head and everything. And some of the effect, they kind of got it. But what about the symbolism?
1: Um, I would say the symbolism means, what, the the descent of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, and tongues Pentecost. of fire. Ah, tongues of fire. That makes sense. Right. So the, I bet that would be cool in the Pantheon, too. Right? So, as I mentioned, Pantheon, Pantheos, in the Greek, means all gods. Um, right? It was a pagan temple at yeah. one point. And then...
0: Right. So, Romans are... Um, polytheists and so they have lots of different gods
1: like the old rome not today rome but old rome
0: right right so during the time when it was built it was built with the intention of kind of bringing everyone's devotion together Hmm. because you had tribalism you know i worship this god you worship that god we're different and there yeah there was an attempt to there were two different attempts one was um that oh i'm gonna get this wrong but i think it's Pachis. And I think it is. Yeah. So Augustus built a big temple for the God of peace, Pachis. Mm. And with the idea of being like, okay, yes, we have this religion that splits us up in ways, but ultimately there's a spirit that unifies and that's peace. And then the, the other way you can do it. So that's like monolithic. You have one that transcends the other ones. This is bigger than everybody else's, or you can bring everybody else's together and then have a, a pantheon with all the different mm. gods represented. So that, yeah, that was the purpose of that particular church. And
1: gotcha, um, yeah. And the, and the beauty of now, it's like, <clears throat> well, now it's the one true God, uh, and it's cool to see like rose petals. I'm sure coming down. I was actually in Rome for Pentecost a couple of, few years ago, and I didn't go to the Pantheon though.
0: <laughs> it's really hard to get into. That's what I heard. You know got to get tickets and. and Yeah, talk to the right people and
1: yeah, gotcha. But but I bet I got lucky seeing the rose petals come down. Of like, this is this is the one true God who like comes and in a certain sense casts judgment on all the other gods and says, "I am the Lord your God, uh, besides whom you should have no other gods." Uh, I love that totally. And you're going to do that at the cathedral tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, the the God of Israel. The God revealed in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that came from them, um, really took over. I mean, really. And I, some people think that that's like by force or politics or something. I think people were fell in love mm. with the reality of the Triune God and were filled and compelled by this Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, it's just real. You know, you have that experience, and the Holy Spirit's working in the world to bring people to the truth, the God who is love. That's the difference. You know, there were gods who were nice, gods who were friendly, gods who would be helpful sometimes, Hmm. but there wasn't a God who is love.
1: Yeah, the God of all, God of love. Cool. Well, I have uh, two ideas for a topic. Okay. My original plan was to talk about what we talked about at dinner tonight. Friendship? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That was your original
1: plan? Yeah. And then you you totally preempted it. Oh, sorry. You preempted it with dinner, which was great. We had a great conversation about friendship at dinner. Totally. Or um, we could talk about the Tetragrammaton, which I know you've recorded on before. Uh, But I have some thoughts about it.
0: I want to hear them, though. (laughs) That's like, I don't know, just a fun topic that's dear to my heart. Can I ask you beforehand? Yes. A little. This is a little digression. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite gift of the Holy Spirit, or Uh, one that you're praying for right now?
1: Let's see. Gifts of the Holy Spirit: piety, understanding, fortitude, fear of the Lord, wisdom, counsel, and knowledge,
0: and understanding. Did you say that? Did
1: I think I skipped that one? I remember it with the acronym Puffwick.
0: Puffwick. Somebody told me that, but I forgot it. So
1: piety, understanding, fear of the Lord, fortitude wisdom, counsel, knowledge. Ah. But here's the problem. When I told Father, well, it doesn't matter who, but when I told my moral theology professor, uh, Puffwick, he goes, oh, that is so dumb because it's out of order. Knowledge is the highest and now it's at the oh, bottom. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, Did you
0: record this with Machado? Puffwick? No, just the order of...
1: No, that was something else. Gifts or something? It was the order of knowledge and okay. science, scientific knowledge. I think
0: maybe I recorded with... Machado, about the that sort of progression of um, gifts of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. at some point. Gotcha. But anyway, that's a different question than what's your favorite.
1: My uh, favorite, um, I don't know if I can say I have a favorite. I think the one that I've been praying a lot for lately is uh, wisdom and counsel, so two. Um, particularly like in the confessional, having the wisdom to know like, okay, and then the counsel to be able to kind of, know what to say when to say it how to say it etc um i think one of the most painful moments for me in confession <laughs> mm. is uh you get done with a confession and you think to yourself oh i wish i would have sh- said this oh, i i was like too harsh or maybe or like you know too merciful i i don't know like you know what i mean but like you second guess yourself but then you can never go back to that person and say, Hey, I want to follow up about this. That's right. You can't say anything. So seal of confession, the seal. And so I've just been begging the Lord for Lord, give me wisdom and counsel to know how to deal with certain things in the confession.
0: Praise God. Yeah. We want to help. And, uh, yeah, the, the counsel, that is tricky because I've learned to to, uh, just a certain kind of humility around that of, I don't really know. I've been a Christian for a while, so I can sort of give you my own experience. And then I would say I I pray to the Holy Spirit, but mm-hmm. it's not like specific that way. I, it could be, but I usually just say Holy Spirit guide you know guide my um, feedback, my counsel, my um, or give me the words that I'm meant to say. And sometimes you are you know kind of surprised by what what you end up saying, but. It's true, I feel the same. It's like yeah. yeah, that's kind of second thoughts or um what the what the people really need is absolution of their sins true. so even if they don't get the most profound counsel, and you'd be surprised sometimes it's like preaching, sometimes what you think was kind really of good, weak, right just hits. And then what you think is really good, people are like, ah, just get it over with. (laughs) Right. Let's go, buddy.
1: Yeah. The Holy Spirit decides to pierce hearts at times. What's your favorite gift?
0: I've been praying for um, fortitude. Fortitude, which is both the courage to do something difficult and then perseverance through difficult times. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say, I'm not trying to like feel sorry for myself, but there are there are ways that I think spiritually and humanly I've kind of plateaued in some relationships and I say, uh, or my relationship with God. And I say, I know what the next step is. It's just, it's just, I don't have the strength Mm -hmm. and um, or the courage or whatever it takes. And so I've been praying for that one fortitude.
1: Yeah. Strength. Um, perseverance but also endurance as a part of that too mm-hmm. to endure hard things to endure the suffering of it and then to persevere through the through the hard times
0: yeah and i've had some like significant spiritual desolation of late and so that's part of that it's just like when prayer is dry and difficult and you don't have a taste for the holy things as ignatius mm-hmm. says um or there's like doubts and it's just a weird spiritual place right then, yeah, that that endurance, that perseverance is um, something that I know that I'm limited with, so I'm asking the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. Spirit's got fire, baby.
1: <laughs> so is that why you want to do the 30-day?
0: The 30, yeah, so I have a 30-day retreat coming up. I've asked um, my bishop through his delegates if I could have a 30-day a silent retreat, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, where you spend 30 days meditating several times each day on kind of features of the life of Christ. And yeah, there's something true. I just felt called to it and felt like I would like that moment of renewal, kind of fill the cistern, fill the tank. And I hope that it's not, I don't think it's just like a, hey, my spiritual life is desolate because I don't think that's, I don't think it's something you can just fix or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't have that expectation. But there is something of, you know, Lord, what do you have for me at this point? I made one 20 years ago when I was in the spirituality year and just kind of starting seminary. Mm -hmm. And it was so profound and beautiful that I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity. But I don't know if, I mean, the danger is if I'm in a, like a season of desolation, then going into a retreat is like, could be the most excruciating <laughs> thing, sure. you know, if you are just, there's silence and it's dry in prayer and difficult and, um, there's virtue in, in persevering, mm-hmm. but it's also really hard, right? You know, it's the hardest to pray when you're in spiritual desolation. And
1: That's right. I feel like the, th- the spiritual exercises though are, is a different beast because you're making so many holy hours a day, usually four or five, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. Like if, I mean, the, the 30 day might be the hardest thing I've ever done. It's
0: very intense.
1: <laughs> it is. and But it was also like the most beautiful 30 days of my life and coming out of it, um, and I wish I could, you know, I, I shouldn't say I wish, like I miss some of that intimacy I had with the Lord at that time mm-hmm. that I've just distracted myself for these last 10 years. I did it 10 years ago um you know and, and through the daily grind of things but that's really where our heart should be is at the feet uh of the father with Jesus in the holy spirit every morning every day yeah. making a holy hour and it's so easy to fill up our holy hour with all right what am i going to preach about or what am i what do i need yeah. to teach this week or whatever it is and or just, just go like back there
0: distractions from life and
1: in that um
0: it does really clear things away. I think anybody, any of you Catholics out there who have made a retreat of any sort, you have a little taste of that. You're really stepping away with God and feeling that delight. Now, my perspective is I wasn't called to be a religious, so I'm not called to be in a, um, a monastery mm-hmm. where you have this privilege of spending most of your life in prayer. And I'm not in heaven yet. So when I get a chance, I'll take it. And also try to see the grace of God in, you know, the reality of my everyday, including its distractions and everything. So we try our best, obviously, you know, you and I are both committed to prayer Mm -hmm. and um, try to make that an important part of our day and have been given the tools like meditation, like Ignatian meditation Mm -hmm. on the life of Christ in order to... Live a little piece of that every day, like a little retreat. You get a mini retreat every day, right. and um, so I just say that because you know there might be people out there who are like, "Ah, oh, I haven't had a retreat in a long time," or "I don't mm. get that opportunity because I got a busy life." And I have um, kids. That's okay. Yeah. We'll be in heaven sometime, you know. And and for now, we have a mission. You know, I can't just be in silent retreat all the time because mm. I'm supposed to be in the world bumbling around. I'm not sure exactly what, what good it's doing, but that doesn't really matter. It's God's will, you know,
2: Hmm. but
0: I am, I'm looking forward to it. And I, you know, I'll take this opportunity to ask for prayers, you know, pray that, uh, God reveals his will to me. It's just like what, you know, how can I serve? And, um, how does God want to speak his love into my life? And um, show me that, you know, the father showing me that it's a good father and, um, you know, a deepening in friendship with Christ and um, awareness of and welcome of the Holy Spirit in in my life. Maybe connection with the the saints and Mm -hmm. you never know what to expect, but um, that maybe the prayers would be um, for a docility and receptivity on my um, on my end. So that uh, and that comes from God's grace, too. Absolutely. You know, I'll do the work, you know, try. I'm really nervous about how do I train myself for that kind of silence at this point in my life. Hmm. When I was young and very prayerful and very quiet and very contemplative. <laughs> you but still are those things. Now I'm <laughs> just old and restless and distracted and busy. And that I should, I, I really need to put in the work, yeah. you know, over this next month. So, true i'll ask for your advice down the line
1: sure yeah well that's great no i thanks
0: for asking about that that's kind of a tangent but it
1: is a little bit of a tangent but i think it's important and yeah i'm excited for you i always look forward to my annual retreat i would love to do a 30-day again but um it'll probably be a few years but it's been it's been a few years for you so anyways should we dive into our topic
0: the tetragrammaton the
1: tetragrammaton Love it. This is like totally your wheelhouse.
0: Tetragrammaton, four letters.
1: Four letters in the Greek. Tetragrammatos. Um, yeah, so four letters, right? Or four writings. But So the Tetragrammaton is the divine name of God in Hebrew. Uh, the four letters that we have learned to pronounce Yahweh, uh, which is really interesting uh, because there's debates about that, apparently. Uh, I tend to think it is Yahweh. But in the Hebrew, right, it's uh, yod, het, vav, het. Good. I believe. Yeah, very good. And you read it right to left. So don't be confused by going backwards. Um, So yod would be like a Y or a J. And then het would be H. So like Y or J, H, uh, V or W, H. Uh, so typically the way that we spell this is Y W uh, Y. H-W-H for Yahweh. Mm-hmm. But what's tricky about Hebrew is there's no vowels, right? They've uh, kind of modern era. We've gone back and punctuated vowels with dots and lines on uh, the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet uh, in words. Uh, but there's no vowel, vowels themselves in, in the Hebrew alphabet. So,
0: and in fact, in modern Hebrew, they don't use the vowels. They don't use the diacritic marks. Really, it's um, biblical Hebrew. Oh, interesting. And yeah, that came from the Masoretes like twelve hundred years ago. But gotcha. Um, yep they know, they just know the vowels. You learn the words without them, but you pronounce them correctly, and everybody reads them correctly and everything.
1: I think that would get confusing because then like some of them are going to be pronounced differently. And there's, I mean, there's, I'm certainly. Certainly, there are probably different words that have been pronounced differently by different like areas of Israel over time. I would assume so just because if there's no vowel punctuation, punctuation, then how do you know how to pronounce these yeah. words? But um, you
0: would be able to like, say I gave you a text, anything, mm-hmm. I don't know, you're reading Lay Miz, and I take out all the vowels. Sure. You'd be able to read it. Sure. I think you would, you know, um, especially if the words were broken up. Mm-hmm. But even if it was all just, you know, consonants together, you could figure it out. You brains, can figure it out. Crazy like that. You could
1: figure it out, but I think that's because we know how to pronounce these words already. Right. Um, but if we didn't know how to pronounce them, I think you would read it, but you would, might be a little confused of like, how is this actually how pronounced? It, how right? do I say this? Mm-hmm. Even like you might see a word, a name that you've never seen before in late Miz, and you'd be like, oh, how do you say this name? Yeah, And then like I've i've been reading a book before i wish i could think of a concrete example now but i remember like reading a book and thinking like this name is pronounced this way and then you get to class after you know a week of reading it and then the teacher goes no it's actually pronounced this way and you're like oh okay so
0: futile or futile
1: yeah there you go
0: well that's my my most recent kind of example example yeah
1: so the tetragrammaton those four letters uh Right, all throughout the old testament. How
0: do they say that name?
1: Currently or if
0: you're if you're reading the scriptures and you're a a, a Jew, you're mm-hmm. making your bar mitzvah. Right. How do you say that when you come across it? It looks like Y H W H Right and you say
1: So they don't say the holy name of God. So yeah. what they would say is Hashem, typically, or, which yeah. means the name, or they would replace it for Adonai. Adonai, yeah. Or El Shaddai or Elohim, but typically Adonai, uh, which means Lord in Hebrew.
0: Totally. Yep. Jackpot. Quiz show.
1: Quiz show, quiz show, quiz Excellent. show. So I actually did a report on this in uh, Trinity class, the Tetragrammaton oh, cool. in Dr. Pinto's class uh, a few years back in seminary. And I love doing the research here. It's, it's super interesting how it develops over time. But the Bible, uh, whenever it uh, spells out the, the holy name of God, uh, they they stopped punctuating it at some point. Certainly, like, punctuation is um, added later. But then they never punctuated the holy name of God because they said, we're never going to pronounce this anyways. That's right. So then in the me- medie- uh, Middle Ages or the medieval time, uh, some people were going back and saying, well, we should know how to pronounce this. And that's where we actually get the name Jehovah from because mm-hmm. it's J-H, uh o if you will uh v h or a h uh and so a lot of like jehovah witnesses or people who use the name jehovah for god they'll say this is the true pronunciation of god because it's it's yahweh it's it's the tetragrammaton um i don't think that that's actually true i think um because here's why exodus three fourteen, mm-hmm. everyone's favorite bible verse right when Moses goes to the burning bush, he goes before God. He takes off his shoes. You're on holy ground, and then uh, God from the burning bush says, "I want you to go and set my people free from uh, Pharaoh." And Moses says, "Okay." Well, he argues with God first, but then eventually says, "Well, if I'm going to go, who are you? Like, who should I tell Pharaoh um, who sent me?" And God, you know, gives a, a couple names first of. Uh, we'll just go anyways, and you'll figure it out. But then Moses really says, no, no, I want to know who you are. And God, in that moment, as we know, says, I am who am, as it's translated in the English. Uh, however, the Tetragrammaton, um, if it comes from the word, and you could help me here, if you uh, hopefully remember, mm-hmm. I'm putting you on the spot, um, Yahweh, Hashem, that Hebrew word is the same root word as to be uh, being right, so I am who I am so but what's interesting about Hebrew is there's kind of two um tenses or I can't remember the right word uh for this gr- grammatical um situation, but there's either uh completed or ongoing mm. and so he's scripture is using the ongoing tense which means it hasn't been completed. Like God is essentially saying, I am who is and who always will be, or like, I will be who I was. I was who I will be, but -hmm. it's completely ongoing. Like God is always existing.
0: I am being, I I am am being, Yeah.
1: which is so profound. And so that's the, that's the holy name of God. That's who God is. That's who God has revealed himself as. And it's so holy that the Jews, uh, at your bar mitzvah, uh, Mm -hmm. or even when you're reading scripture, you don't pronounce Yahweh. You don't pronounce his name because it's so holy.
0: You're, you're correct with, I, I'm not sure exactly on the, the details of Jehovah and where that idea came from. So God reveals to Moses this four-letter name um, and then explains with, I am who I am. Ehyeh Asher Ehiyeh. There it which is. is the same um, verb, but used personally. so first person singular, I am who am. Mm. Um, I am who I am. and but he's kind of explaining the name itself, which is the same verb, hawa um, or hava, which means to be or to live. And um, so this Yahweh, makes the most sense of how it would be pronounced, Mm. like, um, the one who is, or, um, the one being rather than Jehovah, which is potentially a possible way of adding the vowels. So I could see kind of, you know, how someone, if they're trying to make a name out of it Mm -hmm. would set that up. But I think it's totally arbitrary. Like I'm not sure they were just trying to make a name or, was there a historic circumstance where they were, you know, someone was speculating at that? I, I'm, i like, really curious, but I think this is probably lost in history if it did. You know. Yeah,
1: I mean, I remember What reading, about King
0: James Version?
1: That is a good question. Do you
0: know if it shows up there?
1: It could show up in the Not King that James Version. Not that
0: that's version. authoritative. Please, people, understand <laughs> that King James Version is, like, a really late, um, arbitrary in some ways, interpretation of right. you know, the original languages.
1: Yeah, it could show up there, but I, I, I don't know if it does. Um,
0: now, when you... Okay, I, I know you got some... I don't want to cut ahead. you off, but you made this good point about God who is uh, being, mm-hmm. like ongoing. Do you tend to visualize that as an ontological metaphysical philosophical category Uh or as a personal thing about someone who's alive and hasn't died and will never die and always was before anything else
1: was well that's a good question you mean
0: so ontologically right that would mean something like God is the source of all being Mm -hmm. so if you're talking about being God is saying like I am the original Mm -hmm. um, that is that is happening is being and then everything else shares in that experience of being um you know this because it's philosophy so i'm explaining to the audience but sure, sure. um so which do you prefer do you prefer that kind of transcendent being mm-hmm. in which we share or a personal um god who is it, the living god
1: yeah i mean i think I think my mind my intellectually I want to say the former but like my heart wants to say the latter <laughs> if yeah. I can if I can phrase it that way uh because intellectually I think it just makes sense of like I am who who always has been like I am the one who I am being itself I am existence itself which means everything that we know of gets its being from God like everything that is good shares its goodness in god because god is pure good everything that exists gets its existence from god because god is pure existence uh
0: and is existing now and has existed and will exist in that being of god right so it's and not just something was made by this being but is now being because they're connected to the being being yeah the, the capital b
1: the capital v right when Aristotle would call this the unmoved mover mm-hmm. uh there must be an unmoved mover who put all things into motion all the movement right the the big bang certainly could have happened and probably did happen is what science is showing but someone had to put the big bang into motion someone had to put all that existence and matter uh into motion so that it could come out the way it has done by a god but then my heart wants to say, but he's also a personal God who loves me and cares deeply for me, right? He, he, he knows uh, the number of hairs on my head. He, he has all that counted and numbered and he's utterly imminent. I, I think this is the, maybe that's what we should say is that God is utterly transcendent. He's above all, but yet he's utterly imminent that he's in me as well. Mm. Uh, he's so far above us, but he's so far within us, we can't comprehend him. Um, but yet we, we, we can in the sense of um, we know things about him, we learn things about him, and we, uh, he reveals himself to us.
0: Yeah, and living with, you know, living with us, alongside us, like you said, inside us. Mm. I had, well, this would be, I think it'd be far afield to introduce. Uh, Father Brady and I had a conversation today about what it would mean for God to be inside us before baptism. Mm -hmm. Because at baptism, we receive the indwelling of the divine life in the Holy Spirit. But St. Augustine said that, At ece intus eras et ego foris, Um, Alas, behold, um, you were within me. So he's saying, I loved you too late. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was searching for you outside, outside. Uh, but I was outside and you were inside. Mm. So a sort of indwelling of God, but he didn't have the eyes to see it. You know, he needed Jesus. He needed the Holy Spirit in order to really recognize the truth, you know. And so I say that as like part of this, God is living with us, that that imminent, that word that means, you know, here mm. rather than bigger and above and, you know, far away or something like that.
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, our hearts really long for that. Certainly, I think, yeah, again, I'm just repeating myself. But I think intellectually, uh, we we understand that transcendence, but our heart really longs for that imminence, mm-hmm. uh, which is Emmanuel, right? God with us.
0: And the Christian message is it's both, right? God is this creator. What is uh, John's gospel says something about... Um, No one has ever seen God, Hmm. you know, but this one, the only begotten, makes God known to us. Jesus makes God known to us. And then he's walking with us. It's just, you know, the incarnation Mm -hmm. is that God, that Jesus is God walking with us. And then Jesus continues to be present with us and his Holy Spirit in us. While at the same time, God is so beyond and so much greater that it's not like we, comprehend or understand in any like entire way Mm. and god is invisible and god is creator beyond creation and eternal and all these things so that that both and is captured in that one crazy tetragrammaton you know four (laughs) letters that really have impacted history in a profound way Mm. it's crazy how you know yeah your four letters
1: four letters and what
0: is dr pinto did he respond, or do you remember that, or
1: with the Jehovah part, or what? No,
0: your your research project. Oh, okay. we'll
1: get we'll get s- some more in a minute. Okay, uh, but before we dive to that section, um, what I think is really cool in in scriptures, right? So uh, maybe a couple more names for God as well. God reveals Himself to us, um, but we also have you know God and Lord that we write in the scriptures as well. Your Bible, your English Bible, in the Old Testament specifically i think maybe a couple times in the new testament too whenever it's lord in all caps l-o-r-d in all caps that's where yahweh would have been written oh right and so out of respect again for the jews and since um we don't say yahweh uh we say lord adonai elohim so if it's a lord god you say adonai elohim and what's super cool about elohim as well as i was going to make another point with this Um, maybe you can help me here. Elohim is actually plural. So there's actually multiple times uh, where God reveals himself, where he says, let us make man in our image. Like he he shows himself as a plural, which is interesting because he's one God. He's monotheistic. We believe that he is one God, but three persons. But even the old Testament before this theology was really understood and developed, God is revealing himself as Elohim, which actually means gods. Mm -hmm. But yet we understand that to be singular which is really fascinating,
0: and then you put them to the two together, mm-hmm. and you're talking about like this one transcendent God source of being, who expresses itself. a car
1: out there, sorry.
0: In uh, the Elohim, yeah, like you say, there's two two names for God in the Old Testament, and one is Adonai, and the other one is Elohim, and they're used variously, but referring to the same single being. You know, the God of Israel this one who's walking with them in history and freeing them from slavery and everything um, creating. Um, But I love it. I mean, I find it really fascinating. This Elohim is being um, the gods Mm. and it might be like the aggregate of like one term to talk about all of the gods encapsulated in, in one or all of the features of the gods encapsulated in one, one God. Um, It obviously doesn't mean that God was saying, I am like a transcendent source of being, but I am lots of gods Mm -hmm. to you or something like that. It's just, there is this implicit, and the fathers of the church, you know, as you're suggesting, saw this as a Trinitarian image. That how could you look at this one and more, one and many, one and several, without seeing... the the mystery of the Trinity, that God can be one and three, you know.
1: Right. So God's name is so holy that we don't pronounce it. Um, And names signify, names have power to them, right? Mm. And so this translates then to next point, which would be the medieval period. um, As iconography was really starting to develop, especially Eastern icons, they have four letters on their icons in the Greek it, or maybe to start the English, the way it looks like in English is I see C C, mm-hmm. which in the Greek, it would be Iota Sigma Chi Sigma, uh, which are the first letter. So uh, what this stands for is Jesus Christos uh, in the Greek, which is so the Yoda and the Sigma, that's the first letter of Jesus's name and last letter of his name, and then the Christos would be the Kai, first letter of Christ, and then the last letter of uh, Christ would be Christos, the sigma again. And so, so
0: like an abbreviation of Jesus Christ.
1: Exactly. And what the medieval time was doing, after kind of some persecution and different things, they recognized how holy Jesus' name was. Jesus the Christ. Um, Yeshua Mashiach, mm. the holy Messiah Jesus. So they stopped writing his name as often, Mm. because they knew it was holy and so it almost became like this new tetragrammaton Uh, and this was i don't remember where i read this it was just in one little small book uh and this is where dr pinto was just like that that is exactly right that is very cool yeah to kind of pray with and think about of and this like today like we hear jesus's name profaned all the time like you watch sports you watch tv and it's just like jesus this jesus that But the scripture talks so powerfully, like at the name of Jesus, knees will bow, knees will bend, uh, heads will bow. Demons flee at the name of Jesus. Like all we have to do is speak uh, the name of Jesus in such confidence and such um, kind of prayer, a posture of prayer. And it's a holy name, Mm. right? Yeshua, uh, God saves. Mm. He's the one who saves. He saves us. And I love that. Like and, and so next time you go to a church and see an icon, like at least if it's a traditional Greek icon, you'll see I see the head of Jesus, and then on the other side of Christ you'll see XC, uh, a new tetragrammaton out of holiness and reverence uh, for for the Lord.
0: Dude, new tetragrammaton. You know, I had that's that's profound and beautiful, and I'm really excited about it. I have studied um, ancient manuscripts for a long time. And the phenomenon you're talking about occurs not only in the icons, but also in mm. ancient texts. So if you look at these uncial texts in Greek, the, the letters are all capital letters, and they're all kind of strung together. And m- the majority of the words are spelled out, but there are some abbreviations. And in my simplicity and naivete, I had thought that that was just an easy way to abbreviate because it happens so often mm. that you just take the name and um, shorten it for the sake of saving ink and papyrus. <laughs> Could um, be that as well. No, but I i mean, there's little lines over the top. And um, I think it's both Theos, so God, mm-hmm. and then the, the words uh, Jesus Christ. Mm. But I hadn't thought of it that way. And I think that's like really... Yeah, really beautiful. I echo, you know, I, I um, share the sentiments with Doctor Pinto, who's a profound man of spiritual depth, and I'm I'm sure will um, take that to prayer, and I will too. I the reverence. Um, Jesus says, "If you ask the Father anything in my name, He will give it to you." And uh, so it's it's an expression of profound faith, and uh, and then also just reverence, like that that name like you said it's powerful i mean it in some way represents the person mm-hmm. that you're invoking the presence of that person and maybe the the best venue for that is just prayer you know liturgy and in private and personal prayer now we we're talking about it on the podcast and we don't replace it with hashem like the jews instead of saying the pronouncing the tetragrammaton, the name uh-huh. of God, they'll just say the name, the name, you know, implying the sacred name or the great name or something. But we don't do that with Jesus, you know? Why right. do you think that is? I mean, is it like more accessible or are we just sloppy with it?
1: That's a good question. I think um, the New Testament and St. Paul, like, he's so very clear again that, like, every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm-hmm uh, Lord there, Adonai, um, probably curious in the Greek, which is recognized with the divine name of God in the old Testament. But I think, I think we do get sloppy and maybe the invitation, it kind of begs the question of like, do we use Jesus's name sloppy? And certainly we have our times where like, yeah, I I blurt out his name when I'm uh, frustrated or something like that. Hopefully we don't, you know, but, um, why Why is it used in such profanity all the time in our culture? And I don't mean like, like, amongst Catholics. I mean, certainly, like, there might be people who struggle with that. But I mean, like, even on, uh, like, you go to the grocery store and someone just, like, blurts out Jesus' name because they drop something. It's like, mm. geez. And, and this happened to me the other day. And someone once said to me, you should just yell on the aisle when someone yells, Jesus, you should yell, be praised, <laughs> Yay. but I, I should do that. I just lack fortitude, um, as we were talking about earlier, but, um,
0: there is something I, I like to counsel people and I've taken to this practice more often than not. When I, when I hear the name profaned that way, um, I mean, I don't want to be super judgmental. I think a lot of the, unfortunately people don't use that as a way to insult Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um I do think some people are so casual with it that they're aware but they they really do find pleasure in insulting holy things or things that they've have been revered in their culture or maybe in their family life when they were young or something sadly but I think for the most part it's just so saturated you know the the common language and parlance and everything that this becomes just a way of expressing frustration or surprise or something like that. Mm. Um, but I, I like to suggest to people that you make a sign of the cross. If you hear the name profaned and if you find yourself, I've been like, I've worked very hard with myself and this isn't a brag. It's just an example, but not to use that name in vain and not to use my, my Lord's name as, um, even as like an expression of surprise or something. So as corny as this seems to a lot of people, I have trained myself to say rats. Mm, I have heard
1: you say that. That's funny.
0: Rats, you know, I love rats too. (laughs) I love all of creation. I'm a a child of St. Francis, but they don't have nearly as much significance. In fact, um, there's one name that's above all the others. Like you've, you know, you've mentioned from St. Paul. Um, so that sign of the cross is at once a way of acknowledging Jesus. I don't want you to be treated that way. And then also a kind of discipline for oneself of saying, I'm not going to be scandal. I'm not going to repeat this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, if you're in the habit of using the name, then it's a way of just becoming mindful Correct. because you can just say it on autopilot. But if you're, cro- if you cross yourself, then it's like a, Hey, I did that and I don't mean to do that. And if people come and confess it, they don't want to do it. They're just in the habit, you know? Correct. So I don't know if that's like bringing something awkward into the public square, but I also think it's kind of a representative of if somebody at the supermarket, you know, drops something and says that, and then you make a sign of the cross, they're all of a sudden just like people hear this, Mm. you know, or, people this has an effect this is this belongs to people and this offends somebody and it's not shouting at them and i like to be praised this is it's the same thing of sorts um and it doesn't have to be in your face it's more like my own piety Mm. jesus i love you i'm gonna remind myself of that you take this take this profanity and make it a
1: prayer yeah yeah beautiful yeah, I think um, maybe the encouragement to all our listeners then is uh, be cognizant of how you use Jesus' name, when you use it, who you use it with, and uh, really mean it when we say it, you know, God saves, Jesus Christ, uh, the Messiah, <laughs> he saves, right, mm-hmm. he is, God is my salvation, um, which is great and profound, so.
0: He's, yeah, he's he's who you're looking for, and. Reverence sets something aside, um, it makes something holy, makes something different. And it begins with that sentiment, not not just sentiment, but commitment in one's heart. And if enough people share that, mm-hmm. it sanctifies something. It right. makes it very special for everybody. And so here's an example. People should be offended, and most would, if you... Um, insult the flag if you do something gross with the flag good point yeah because it's it's sacred to a whole lot of people and it has meaning and it represents something that we're all not just committed to but um it represents the best of something something noble and that's the kind of thing in a very like you know simple example that if we all promote the reverence around the name then there's going to be that discomfort when that's just thrown out, you know, in in vain or just like um, cheaply, mm-hmm. don't you think? I don't know if there's.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Enough of us to create that kind of reverence.
1: Right. Yeah, I think um, certainly there's people on both sides of the flag now, <laughs> um, but right when but some. I
0: don't think anybody, even if they're if they're embarrassed to be American or they're critical or whatever,
1: sure. I don't think
0: ever, anybody really loves. Explicit insult. And yeah,
1: it it would take it would take a rare bird, right? I mean, there have been stories on the news of like people burning the American flag or whatever, yeah, which is like super super terrible. And when we see something a symbol that's like above us and transcendent, for lack of a better word, I think we see that and we say we want to respect this, we want to honor this, we want to give um, respect to the, our forefathers and the people who who made this country what it is today, and how much then greater is god's name and and the holiness of this but it takes us in the church to be able to reverence it and have the piety to actually believe that but but what do you think about replacing jesus's name with hashem or
0: hashem the name or the savior you only ever say savior (laughs) i think that god is humble enough to be born in a manger as a little baby Mm. to be beaten and flogged and misunderstood and insulted and then and and then in his eucharistic presence to be on our tongue in our mouth in our on our altars uh in the fragile substance of uh bread and wine well body and blood with substance but uh, had chosen to be so humble that i think there's a desire for accessibility even at the expense of or the risk of being um trampled on. I mean, just use casually you know, mm. the, the informality or being, yeah, misused or something like that. So I think the name, I think the name is beautiful and it should have, you know, that throne in our hearts, but I don't think God is like squeamish about it and that we have to protect that. Mm. Um, I think it's an interesting thought project. You should try it for a year and if you can successfully go for the year without saying jesus yeah. aside from prayer or the liturgy
1: yeah that's interesting
0: then maybe you would yeah i don't know do what what do you think do you think i don't think it would that, be helpful to
1: i don't think so no cuz again i think there's power in god's name and i think to your point he revealed himself in in such a humble way to, and he he said like this is my name like um the angel appeared and said you shall call him yeshua yeah you should call him he's Jesus. given a name
0: the unknown god
1: right and and therefore like we should call him by his name but we don't walk around like defaming the name of michael or mike we don't like when i when Speak i for
0: yourself when i play tennis and i miss a shot
1: you're like oh, Ah, mike i do <laughs> yeah that's fair but when i drop something at the grocery store i'm not like ah mike i'm like yeah. ah, rats. Well, thank you that's nice <laughs> so yeah but but yeah, maybe to to kind of wrap this up, I think um, the Tetragrammaton has influenced the biblical theology in the biblical world in, in very very deep ways. But the encouragement then to to meditate on these Eastern icons, and for you or anyone else who's reading <laughs> biblical manuscripts in the Greek or Hebrew, uh, seeing the holy name of Jesus written out in in those four letters, um, this is the name above all names that everyone bows towards. Um, pray with that meditate on that
0: you should put that icon as like the picture with this podcast usually when we post a podcast on facebook elsewhere i don't know there's a picture that accompanies it on instagram too so i mean if you're listening the way i do is just like automatic subscription and i just get the you know audio files but um go look up an icon of jesus awesome how about a shout-out? Can I can I give a shout-out? Go for it. Okay, I will shout-out Father Federico Colauti, who was my Hebrew teacher in seminary and also um, Old Testament Pentateuch teacher. And I think first introduced me to this tetra- tetragrammaton and the, and the invitation to ponder the name of God and the way that God revealed himself in history. And... Um, And then the philosophical side with um, Dr. Susan Selnerite, who taught me metaphysics so that I have this fancy language about transcendent and um, existential and ontological. And and then also Father Norris Clark, um, the Jesuit whose textbook we used in the metaphysics class and um, who I found really brilliant. Helped me understand something that's super abstract or whatever. But super profound. So, yeah. Dr. Susan Selnerite, love you. You're the best. Thank you, thank you. And Dr. Father Federico Col- Colauti, who I think is in Genoa or somewhere in Italy right now. Uh, you're cool, too.
1: And Father Norris Clark, is he a...
0: He's passed, I think.
1: He, he is, but he's not like a venerable yet, is he?
0: No, I don't know. Does he um, have a cause open? I, I he's thought an intellectual. He, Usually they...
1: philosopher. Well, anyways, in the capacity, Father Norris, that you're able to intercede for us, please intercede for us. Yeah,
0: amen. That we can think and understand and wonder.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to um, Dr. Villeneuve, who is my, Andre Villeneuve. That's right, buddy. Andre Villeneuve, who is my uh, Hebrew professor, Pentateuch professor, and taught me a lot of these things as well. Uh, All the Hebrew I know is from him, because I have not studied Hebrew since then uh, But he did teach me a lot And then I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Simon and Carly Turner Who are two of our parishioners Well, they're married And uh, the other day I was going through the um, drive through at uh, Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A It's a common occurrence oh, I say man. Chick-fil-A a lot
0: I'm gonna get you some gift cards
1: And um, I was going through the drive through And my car is pretty recognizable They're on Broadway And they like honk And they're like Father Sean, Father Sean it was awesome. They also listen to this podcast from time to time. So thank you guys. Their for, names again? Uh Simon and Carly. Simon Turner. and
0: Carly, you're gonna cause an accident.
1: <laughs> they might but here's this so Simon and Carly, also known as Carly Simon.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I remember this from what, like seventies, you know, um I don't know, music. One hit wonder. Oh Carly Simon. What a that's more recent
1: no carly simon her only one hit wonder that i know of i mean I'm sure she sung more songs but it's the um you probably think this song is about you oh, you're so vain
0: okay okay beautiful so um uh, you're gonna sing us out <laughs> i think we're done man
1: I know, happy this, pentecost this dude. was meant to be a short podcast but that we're an beautiful. hour 15 minutes folks That's
0: a lot of fun man
1: Great. Well, thanks, Father Mike. Great to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Happy Pentecost.
0: Blessing.